Hi, welcome. This is Massimo Curatella and this is a crazy podcast episode and uh, I am delighted to have with me today my good friend David Orban who is responsible for this thing to start because I have a sort of, uh, you know, um, hiccup, uh, a bottleneck and uh, he said just, why don't you start? Just do it. And I, I did it and I'm immensely happy. So David, hi, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, would you be so kind to introduce yourself for our audience so they can learn more about you if they don't already know you? Well, um, my name is David Orban and uh, I am an entrepreneur, an investor. My background is in physics originally. Um, even if I uh, don't have any degree or license, no one authorized me to do anything I do. Um, I, uh, after studying physics, uh, went into uh, artificial intelligence, uh, and this was in the previous millennium. Uh, since then, I uh, created, scaled, and exited many uh, projects, both uh, in Europe and uh, mainly in the US. It was part of the team that uh, designed Singularity University at the NASA Research Park with funding from Google uh, now something like 15 years ago, uh, where we study uh, exponential technologies and how they are changing the world. Uh, teaching about these led me uh, first to uh, formulating the Network Society Manifesto that talks about decentralization. Uh, and uh, uh, more recently, a few years ago, the paradigm of jolting technologies, where we are looking at uh, a, a rate of increasing acceleration in uh, the world that is changing uh, uh, around us. So uh, one of the criticisms uh, that I received uh, from you, uh, Massimo, is that uh, I am hard to put in a box, I am hard to uh, label, and uh, that may be true, uh, and um, I just uh, roll with it. I, uh, it, is, it is what it is. That's why you're here. May I say that very proudly? That's the, one of the reasons why you're here, because uh, I feel much the same in terms of uh, being categorized. Um, so, David, this is going to be a, a little bit of a weird conversation because I feel like I'm doing this for myself, first of all. And so I'm thankful for you to spend some time with me, as we have done a lot of times in the past, uh, during the last uh, eight or nine years. So I kind of like to think this is a sort of a private conversation that is shared on the Internet. Um, so I'm not looking to be, you know, the, the, the brilliant host uh, by keeping television times. I really don't care about that. I care about the ideas we are going to share. So please be patient if you're not finding this, the, the kind of, you know, the level of uh, environment you, you are used to when you are joining international speaking gigs or things like that. And, and I know that you like this kind of environment. So, for instance, I will ask you informal questions like, uh, may I share my screen with you so you can see what I'm doing while the audience is listening? Can I do that? Go ahead. Okay. So, I want to show you and ask you some question about this 
way of working I'm trying to focus on and of course now the face dis disappears but this is fine we can see I can see okay so I was showing to the audience some of your websites and um, maybe this might be a naive question but is it easy or difficult for you to introduce yourself when you have such a multifaceted personality and experience? I just uh, pick whatever I want to highlight in any moment and uh, I don't mind that uh, uh, all the various aspects and all the various activities uh, are not uh, simultaneously illustrated. And uh, I truly believe uh, it is the same for all of us uh, because um, I hope that uh, the people listening uh, uh, or, or watching this recording have a multitude of interests. And uh, it is just up to them to intertwine their professional life with those interests or decide that it is not the case. Uh, maybe they are a chemist and they like skateboarding and they have a hard time uh, um, seeing the connection between those two and that is also perfectly fine. But recognizing that uh, all of us uh, are um, jewels uh, of many shiny facets uh, is, is uh, I think, uh, necessary. Uh, and accepting that uh, we don't always have the time to be known for all of our facets or to learn about someone uh, at such a, a depth and, and uh, see them uh, in, in their totality. It would be a wonderful privilege to be able to do so, but uh, it is very rare. David, what makes you special is the fact that uh you present yourself as many different things uh, that usually is not seen as something positive. And I felt really connected to your way of being because I have the same kind of problem or you know gift, whatever it is. And I learned in the odd way, in a painful way, that then you have to show that you have something to say in the things that you are good at, just to be very low level. Uh, you know, forgive me if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm risking to be offensive. I'm saying, talking to myself, about myself, I am, I used to say, I am a developer, a designer, a facilitator, a trainer, a teacher, a writer. And people used to look at me like, oh yeah, really? Yeah, what have you been writing? What have you taught? And so I discovered that exactly as you do, I pick this kind of hat according to the context. So sometimes when I don't want to talk to developers, I say, no, no, I'm a designer, sorry, I don't know anything about that. Or if I want to be in that environment, I say, yeah, I know about software development, we can talk about that. So, but then they say, I mean, it's either I show confidence, I'm show confidence, but when I want, for instance, looking for, look for a job, I need to, to prove, I need to, provide evidence that I am or I am to say. So what kind of, how do you, do you have this kind of problem? How do you manage that? The choice of 
becoming an authority in a particular specialized field is constantly made and reaffirmed by those who, for example, pursue um, a doctorate, um, a PhD, right? Uh, they may spend three, four, five years to add the tiny little sliver of knowledge to um, the uh, totality of uh, uh, our knowledge as human civilization and are rightly proud of that accomplishment. And also that kind of uh, specialization uh, leads to a certain degree of isolation and uh, a certain degree, a certain difficulty in communicating across different specializations. Whether it is uh, something like the uh, particular scientific notation that everyone, for example, here will recognize if we are talking about chemical elements or mathematics or, or uh, biology. These are three different sciences that not only use different terminology, but they make it hard to communicate by also using different kinds of notations and so on. I am subscribing to the notion uh, of uh, Richard Saul Worman, the founder of uh, TED, that um, calls himself a poplar of silos. He wants to facilitate cross-fertilization of ideas. And I described that as being uh, complementary, if not even in opposition of the first approach that I described. The first goes very, very deep, ignoring um, what is on the sides uh, of that particular path. The second, what Richard is uh, using instead, is uh, a search that is breadth first rather than depth first. So it goes across various disciplines, various areas of uh, specialization. And he really, really enjoys that in the conferences that he created, not only Ted, but many others, the books that he wrote. Uh, and uh, I don't think that he ever needed or, or really was thirsty of the affirmation and the confirmation coming from, from others. Now, this is an attitude that can be seen as arrogant, and maybe that is uh, not a, a, an undeserved label. I think that for a lot of people, it would be better if they were more immodest, if they were less modest, if they ask themselves, what stops me from trying? Why shouldn't I try? Too often the question uh, is either not asked or the answer comes very fast. Oh, I'm not up to it. Oh, who? 
who told me that I have the permission to try, right? So a lot of people would gain if they attempted more things, if they were more courageous, if they were more proud of their attempts and their failures necessarily. However, this kind of approach should be, and I am striving to temper it by being humble. And that means very simply to recognize that the world is a beautiful and rich place of human passion and talent where are a lot of others like you or even better than you, very likely, uh, that are doing similar things and to recognize the their contribution, to recognize their passion and to share their achievements uh, without reservation, without jealousy, uh, without resentment. So I don't... Uh, look for particular recognition. Uh, I don't uh, aim to maximize the number of subscribers or the number of followers. Uh, and I am very, very um, um, proud, but also uh, feel really connected to, you know, whatever community of people I either belong to or that uh, follow what I do. And, and, and I am grateful for it. Uh, thank you. Um, I want to talk about some of the things you mentioned. One is failure that is connected to growing confidence. And one of the things that I like spending time with you is the fact that you irradiate confidence. You can talk about anything, anytime. And what makes a difference talking with you and to you is the fact that you are never shallow. So the problem of having uh, to, to do with people who seems like can do many things, different things, successful, a lot of things, you have the, uh, the fear that they might be shallow. It's like, you know, not trustable, too many things. What it's different with you instead is that whatever we want to talk about, you know, life, death, technology, or Python, it seems like you have a lot to say. And uh, usually it's very inspiring. So I keep on saying to you during the years that I keep notes from our past uh, meetings and I, I keep thinking about it. And I, I got, you know, some hints about some books, some people, and I have a lot of um, stimuli to learn new things. Um, how do you manage to be able to be zooming in, zooming out while remaining coherent and not having the fear of saying bullshits or, you oh. know, looking like a stupid? Oh, so um, let's start with uh, the false dichotomy of failure and success one then let's be cognizant maybe even proud of our ability to bullshit and to check 
ourselves as we do so, uh, winking to our audience, uh, and uh, and then uh, let's talk about zooming in and zooming out. Okay, so three things in in, in your question, each uh, very stimulating and and important. So it is, you know, could be seen as a little bit trivial, but. Uh, I enjoy the experience of living and often talk about the privilege of just being in the moment where in the blink of an eye, literally atoms that were born during the Big Bang with others that were born from supernovae, even more, not, not, sorry, not more, but even, even still others that, that were born in rarer cosmic phenomena like merging of neutron stars produced something that over the course of billions of years happened to be you. And then whether it is 50 years or 100 years or even a million years, whatever the duration of your life is going to be followed by these atoms to keep going on their own journey and form other structures or, or just chaos, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But in that period, you have this ability of opening your eyes, looking around, and just be amazed. So, <laughs> almost anything, to a comical degree, is able to amaze me, right? And, and I enjoy that greatly, and I enjoy sharing that uh, uh, you know, both uh, during my work but or, or in my personal uh, life. But the way that we represent and we narrate whatever happens during that period is not something that is the consequence of the events themselves is a consequence of an attitude, a desire, or a decision. And we have the power to tell ourselves, as well as the rest of the world, a story of our life that can be, if we want it to be, a sequence of triumphs or a sequence of failures, and it will be the same life. And the fact that this is indeed possible and that you can pick and choose as you want. And of course, in the middle, whatever uh, middle ground you want to find among those two extremes shows you that you have the power to decide who you want to be in the story of your life. And uh, I won't necessarily bore you with one or the other of these chains of uh, 
cherry-picked uh, events that would represent my life as as a sequence of failures or or a sequence of of, of triumphs. But the recognition of this possibility should also give everyone uh, a, a view that on one hand, yes, we are <clears throat> the uh, creators of our lives uh, story. And at the same time, we are also completely powerless and exposed to things that are completely outside of our control, like where we are born, who are our parents, where the first, your geographical location defines so much of what you can aim to achieve during your life. And the second, uh, your genetic composition is again so much of uh, of what you what you are what you become and 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 hopefully in the future whether near or far we will acquire new degrees of freedom that uh, uh, in it will enable as many people as possible to unshackle themselves from these two fundamental constraints so these recognitions, these abilities to go meta and, and, and look at your life, you, you can look at the things that happen to you, should give, um, I wouldn't call it confidence, I would call it compassion towards yourself to recognize that this is it, this is, this is your life, and be fine, right? To be happy, whatever happy is, whatever fine is, but, but to earn that recognition. So that's the first. The second, um, yes, expressing opinions about things can only be done if you have a certain degree of confidence. And then you can express those opinions to various audiences. So when I am called to speak at a conference, maybe I'm in front of a few thousand people and I will express uh, some opinion about some topics. Again, without having had the license or the authority uh, to, to, to do that, but because they invite me to speak and I'm happy to share those opinions. Or I do that uh, uh, with my children. And it is so amazing that the first, you know, these conferences and the audiences and the CEOs and the board of directors never call my bullshit. My children, oh, all the time call my bullshit. <laughs> and it is wonderful because, yeah, to some degree, everything that we affirm is just waiting to be proven wrong. And, and 
as long as we are ready to accept to be wrong and we are ready to recognize it and change our minds as a consequence, that is, that is great. Just yesterday, for example, um, I realized that I was completely wrong in calling uh, the paradigm of jolting technologies with the name because from a mathematical point of view and I, you know, for whatever reason, I, I yesterday got into the, the more mathematical exploration of how these analogies apply or not apply, the super exponential phenomena and the variable rates of acceleration are not equivalent. They are, they are, from a mathematical point of view, two very different things. So um, I am not going to get into too much detail, but now, literally, as we record this, maybe in an hour or two hours, I will start tweeting about my mistake and the fact that I may or may not change the name of this paradigm. And if I do, I am going to call it the, the paradigm of super exponential technologies, which is mathematically more appropriate. Or if I, I don't change it, I will just say, okay, so I am, I am applying the term jolt in this way. And as long as it is explicit and understood, it's going to be fine. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's about uh, both uh, uh, making mistakes and failing as well as uh, uh, bullshitting and then, and then recognizing its own bullshit and correcting it if possible, but uh, uh, involving, you know, breaking the, the fourth wall and letting the, the audience be active in participating in the, 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 the creation of uh, whatever line of, of thought. And uh, then the, the third and the last uh, thing uh, that, uh, that, you, uh, that you asked, uh, can you remind me what it was? I don't remember. <laughs> how, do you, how do you go Developing the confidence. Oh, yes, yes. Zooming in and, and yeah, then zooming, zooming yeah, out. Yeah. That's right. So, the simple analogy uh, that we are all familiar with is uh, using our computer interfaces, whether it is a smartphone, a desktop computer or notebook or the smart TVs. And, and maybe I will take the example of the smart TV because I am now in the process of teaching my mother how she can turn on her TV and use the remote to pick whether she's watching um, traditional broadcast or cable or she's picking one of the streaming apps and then going in the streaming apps, she will 
explore, for example, a series and how in each of the streaming apps she can select for subtitles and captions to be on and hopefully the app will remember that choice. And the reason why this analogy, in my opinion, is appropriate because that is what is happening. In order to get to a particular type of content, you are turning on the TV, which is the container, then you zoom in a little bit, picking the streaming app, then you pick the particular series, and then you watch the episode that you haven't yet watched, and you pick the setting that you like, for example, turning on the, the captions. And for her, this kind of progressive selection or getting out of that branch and going down in the next branch for another movie or another series on another streaming platform is not intuitive. So for me, the connections between areas of knowledge and domains of expertise are developing through experience, of course, but are developing uh, in a manner that is fairly well structured, right? Uh, when I talk about uh, different technologies and how they can be applied, whether it is artificial intelligence or blockchain or organizational learning or governance, uh, these are all uh, independent but also interconnected, right? And, and I explore them, I try to absorb them, always looking at the context in which they belong. Uh, and uh, as you know, because similarly to how your uh, podcast was born uh, based on my input, my podcast was also born that's, based on your right. input right. a few years uh, before. And, uh, and uh, we called it uh, the context yes. exactly because I, I always want to look at the bigger picture, uh, which enables me to understand why something and, and what is its place in the network of, of, of knowledge that we share. I'm looking uh, to show a link to the Context podcast by David Orban. I just found it. So it will be recorded and people will be having the chance to follow it. And um, so you, we were discussing before recording that um, it would be nice to have uh, asynchronous conversations going on and trying to establish continuity by highlighting interesting topics, coming up with questions, and maybe getting back to this with another episode. So you have been so kind to say that you will be available. So I will looking for this recording. I will extract things to highlight and discuss again 
and there's a lot that you shared. Um, so, I well, if, I, if I may, um, your questions today were very personal, yeah. uh, and also what I would call very horizontal, methodological, almost epistemological, right? Uh, how do you go about acquiring, managing, and communicating knowledge? Uh, how do you go about thinking about what you do? How do you go about thinking about your thinking? They are. Which, which would be almost uh, uh, philosophical if we were not too shy to call ourselves uh, philosophers. I think that they are. So, so, yeah. so uh, if I may, um, of course, in future recordings, we can uh, keep uh, this direction of exploration, or uh, there can be several possible alternative themes, and, and maybe the people who are following yes. uh, your channel can give feedback on what they would be interested in learning about. We could go more vertical to talk about the various technologies, uh, artificial intelligence, blockchain, quantum computing, and, and others, and synthetic biology, uh, so many things that are changing the world. And, and what do we see their consequences going to be in the short, medium, and long term? As well as uh, we uh, could uh, uh, talk about uh, how uh, as a consequence of these technologies, uh, the concept of what it means to be human is also potentially going to change or stay the same, uh, have a conversation about that. What are the constants and uh, what are the new things, potentially radically new things, and, and uh, uh, can we adapt to them? Uh, is there a fundamental limit to our adaptability and what does it mean when the world would require that we overcome those uh, those limits. So this could be two branches of, of exploration and conversation to be had in the future. Uh, yes, definitely. I appreciate that because this goes on the record. Um, I would uh, I would ask for your help for your suggestion about how I would work on this material I am collecting, including this one. If you look at my screen, I'm going to show you an example of um, how I am unpacking the transcription from uh, another recording. And basically I'm doing the, you know, research away. I'm trying to understand what each person is saying. I summarize and highlight the topic and then I come up with question that might be interesting for me to further develop. Now, what I'm, I'm doing this because this is absolutely painful for me. It's absolutely boring, painful. It's, it's absolutely uh, hell and because I never did that. I always felt like summarizing on the fly, having intuitions, making connections. I never had the need of studying anything. I never studied my life. And I think it's a limitation that I want to that I want to have anymore. I want to go, yes, broad, as you were saying, mentioning the example of uh, uh, Wurman, but I want to go deep. I want to be able to go deep in some things that are really interesting, and I want to actually understand what other people have been saying, and I want to ask me the stupid question of saying, is this true, or is this useful to me, or how can I use this? 
And um, this is the kind of uh, stimulation and stimuli that I have from you because there are so many things that seems to be interesting. You mentioned usually in your um, podcast and your speeches the the neo tenny uh, you know having this love for new things that I discover is something that uh, you know newborns have and it's something you're supposed to lose when you are becoming an adult. So you if you keep on looking for new things. It's not necessarily a nice thing if you're not able to make a synthesis. So this is what I'm looking for. I'm trying to gather good sources of information and knowledge. Then I want to spend time, spend time by considering, uh, reflecting on top of it. And then I want to make a synthesis. Now, I have no idea what I'm going to synthesize from those uh, these episodes. And this is thanks to you. But also thanks to the fact that I'm really, really having fun out of this and I'm, I don't care what people think. And this is connected to what you were saying. I mean, I'm 50. Have I developed this kind of confidence? And I am blind to say I don't care, but this is what I was not like that when I was young. I would have died rather than talking to the nice girl. I would have preferred to be incinerated like, rather than say, hi, how are you? So I want to also try to share this uh, process with whom feels like they're not confident. They, they see failure as a shame. They feel like, Max, you went on the first episode, you were walking in the park. You were with your, with your phone and you know I could, could see a little bit of your belly. I mean, you're a little bit fat. Why don't I care now? But I was caring so much 30 or 40 years ago. So this is one of the questions I want to ask you. And I want to receive your impression about how I should proceed with this work that I consider work. So the effort that you are making is uh, definitely useful. Uh, a little bit uh, like the people who write in longhand and uh, feel that uh, the physical exertion of writing in longhand, uh, the tactile feedback of the paper, the gesture of opening and closing the notebook and keeping it uh, on the side. And I am not diligent uh, in, in using them, but uh, I, I have them and uh, it happens that I annotate uh, something uh, with a particular date and, uh, and I say, uh, the context ideas, uh, the benefits of location sharing with the family and strangers, speaking in tongues, or I'm a human chat GPT, uh, speaking a language without knowing it, uh, which comes from the fact that I was invited in Argentina to give a speech in Spanish. Yes. And, and I... <laughs> And I did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and I don't speak. I'm I proud to say Spanish. that I understood most of it, more than 90% of it. <laughs> yes, because and, and, and when I uploaded the video to YouTube, YouTube was What's the video? What's so the humiliating to me because <laughs> the automatic captions said Italian. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. So evidently, my Spanish was not very Spanish. That's why anyway, I understood it. 
the local the local audience loved it. Uh, it was in a beautiful venue at the Planetarium of Buenos Aires. Uh, they came to me, and without you know, without them having to do it, you know, just spontaneously, they said it was the best talk of the conference, and I was delighted and honored, and and also had a lot of fun. Anyway, back to your method and back to the the the, the fact that it is it it is hard. Yeah, and 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 I don't run. <laughs> you do run. I don't run. Uh, but the people who run realize that the effort and the sweating and the fact that it is hard is is the substance. It is not. Oh, I have to be there and. Since I have to be there in, in, in 20 minutes, I've got to run because if I walk, it's going to take 40 minutes. The point is not to be there. The point is running, right? So in your case, whatever the method, the point is the effort. That is why you are learning so much from those notes and from these uh, podcasts. Yes. Uh, and... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I am developing uh, a method of my own. But uh, in terms of, of your last point, why are you more confident now and, and less shy than, than you were? To, to some extent, I, I, I recognize that not in terms of the shyness, because I did go up to the nice girl and uh, uh, I was, I was uh, 16 and she was 18. And and I ended up marrying her as well, and and and, and I'm still, uh, as of this morning, married uh, to her. Uh, but um, in terms of the confidence, as far as I am concerned, part of the confidence comes from what I said at the beginning: this compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm allowing yourself to admit that you know shit. Not that your life experience and the knowledge you accumulated are not beautiful and wonderful and valuable, but in proportion to the things, right? You see the books behind me, if you are watching this on video rather than on audio, <clears throat> there are many. And I'm not going to tear the camera off uh, the, the holder because it would be a mess. But the books go all around 360 degrees. And I love them. I smell them. I read them. But they also represent a physical embodiment of the disproportion between all the beautiful things are out there and what you can experience and what you can know. So I have a daily reminder of keeping humble, of, of recognizing that it is okay to not know regardless of how much to know. It is natural to not know. And that is what gives me uh, this kind of relaxedness 
about the limitations of whatever I share with you in this case and, and your audience or with anyone else. That's, again, why I like you so much. I don't know if I can say that. It won't be censored. Um, now, to reestablish a little bit of uh, balance between, uh, you know, being too much aligned and friends, since I love the fact that you have radical ideas and you love discussing with critical versus your ideas, um, I want to introduce some of the concepts that you have been sharing with me and teaching me about in, during the years. For instance, you know, from, from Bitcoin to uh, conquering the, the, the universe with technology. And um, one, I have one question that might be unfair, maybe nasty. But that, that's why I'm, I'm posing this question to you, because it's you. And um, I'm sharing my screen now. I'm showing my visual notes. And I'm going back to what you said about uh, iterative thinking and revising your mistakes. While I was writing this, you said, in the next hour, I will revise what I said, and I will say that I was wrong. So basically, we were so aligned. I, I didn't have to ask you, do you revise your mistakes? You said, of course, I do that. Um, this is a topic I want to discuss in the future. That is, you said failure and success is the same thing. This, this is not a dichotomy. I, we need to unpack this because it's connected to confidence. It's connected to why don't you try, just do it and things like that. And I really love that, that concept. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of a controversy about the fact that uh, you shared a lot of your ideas. What if somebody took your ideas for good and want to follow you on that specific thing, which is maybe radical, important, world-changing, and then you say, you know what, I was wrong. Okay, so am I, do I feel responsibility for expressing my ideas? Uh, of course, and Similarly, since the ideas are the children of our mind, you have to be reckless and give them birth, just like you cannot be sure about every possible pitfall or mistake before giving birth to a biological child. And, and people all over the world make decisions about their own future and about the future of their children without having all the information that ideally would be necessary if they wanted to be sure that they are not making a mistake or that there won't be very bad things in the future as a consequence of that child being born. So these ideas are my non-biological children. And uh, just like, you know, when someone uh, marries or becomes a life partner with one of my biological children, the people who allow themselves to be infected by my mind children, my ideas, 
share that responsibility. It is not only my responsibility. I nurture and educate and help to grow into responsible adults, my biological children, and I nurture and help and, if necessary, correct my ideas. But I am not alone. I, I cannot be the only one responsible exactly because they are shared. The responsibility is also shared. So, yeah, if someone uh, realizes that there is something wrong with my ideas and they let me know, you know, it's, it's a bit like when you are at dinner and this is a relatively elegant dinner and someone comes to, close to you and, 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 and they say, sorry, Massimo, there's something in your nose. And, 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 and you, you yeah. become embarrassed for a moment. You, you turn around, you take out your handkerchief, you, you clean your nose, and then hopefully you go and turn back to the person that pointed it out and you say, thank you, you are a real friend. Because rather than letting you be there in your dinner with your dirty nose and everyone just shutting up about it, they pointed it out and allowed you to clean your nose. So it is the same. And to be precise, I'm a bit pissed that for five, six, whatever number of years, no one cared enough about my stupid paradigm of jolting technologies to point out, sorry, David, I actually thought about what you mean and could you explain it better? Because I think you are wrong. This is the reason why I think so. And if someone did that, I would have been able and correct it sooner. And now I'm going to correct it <coughs> later. Now, in the meantime, I can assure you, no one built a new generation of nuclear reactors or spacecraft based on those mistakes so that they would blow up and, and uh, create whatever... Well, you know, thank you for saying that. <laughs> no, one, no one did that, so, so that's good. Uh, but yes, there are examples of mistakes that have not been corrected for several decades that created, if not... Uh, uh, well, potentially they created a, a, a global tragedy one of these mistakes, and I don't know if we have the time to talk about it today, it concerns renewable energies and climate change, where the uh, uh, IEA, the International Energy Agency, is the world's most authoritative source for data about global energy. And the IPCC, the the uh, uh, intergovernmental pa panel on climate change that uh, publishes its uh, findings uh, about how we are all going to die, uh, bases its assessment on the projections of the first agency that I mentioned and the I, 
EA, the International Energy Agency, has been for 20 plus years, constantly, every year, laughably wrong about the prospects of renewable energy. And they were, as a consequence, influencing, misallocating, misguiding trillions of dollars that could have been invested in the direction of clean energy and, and renewable and sustainable economic development. And that did not happen year after year after year. Do you for have an idea why consistently? Do you have an idea why that happened? So there are two simple explanations and uh, I, I, I'm not sure which one to pick. Both are extremely depressing. The first is incompetence and the second is, is malice. Incompetence to an astonishing degree where they would be able and see, for example, the, the, the mistake is very, very simple and very clear. Every year they would publish their projections for uh, the expected investment in energy production capacity in the world broken down between various um, sources. And so, for example, they would say the capacity for solar generation will increase in the world of a given amount. And this amount of the increase of solar capacity generation, solar generation capacity in the world is going to stay constant from next year onwards forever. They make projections for up to the end of the century and whatever the amount in 2020 would be, they would say, okay, in 2021 is going to be the same, in 2022 is going to be the same, in 2050 is going to be the same forever. And this report would come out in 2019 for the next year and the years for what? Then in 2020, they would say, oh, we thought that the additional generation capacity would be of a given amount Hope turns out that it is double that amount. So we were wrong. And as a consequence, now we expect that this double amount is going to stay constant. So in 2021 is going to be the same, in 2022 is going to be the same, and in 2050 is going to do the same. And this is the 2020 report. Then in 2021, they would say, oh, we thought that in the previous year, the additional capacity would be of a given amount, double 2019. It turns out it was more. Again, doubling or increasing of a whatever percentage, doesn't matter what percentage. We were wrong. And so we now expect that in 2022, in 2023, in 2024, and 2050, and 2100, 
that new amount is going to stay constant. And they did this for 20 years. And they are still doing it. Right? So you can be incompetent, but it is really hard to be incompetent to that extreme degree that you look at your own data, you correct it, and then you don't change your methodology in order to go back the next year, recognize the same mistake, and then again and 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 again 20 years. It is, it is really astonishing. And since they are the official source, they define how sovereign funds, government programs, policies, legislation operate on national, continental, and planetary level. And then comes the IPCC that says we are doomed because renewables will never be able to catch up. Mm. We will never be able to correct the mistakes of the past. The only thing that we can do now is to prepare for uh, climate adaptation and then comes the European Union that just a couple of weeks ago, as of this recording, organized a suicidal conference trying to persuade at the highest level the continent that is among the richest, if not the richest of the world of more than 500 million people that the only option is what they call degrowth hmm. is to become poorer is to give up your dreams is to be less ambitious is to have fewer children is to have fewer choices is to I am exaggerating, of course, but maybe for a proportion and a portion of the participants. Why don't you agree with that? If there were no humans on the European continent, that would be the ideal outcome. Would you please Euro population. be so kind to explain to me, like I'm five, why you don't agree with them to this view and what, what we should do instead? Well, uh, I, I don't agree with them because I'm a humanist. I don't want uh, the European continent to uh, be depopulated of humans. I don't want the human experiment to terminate. Uh, I want uh, our brains that are today the only kind of matter that is able to wake up, see and feel awe in uh, seeing the, 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 the universe and recognize its beauty and feel curiosity and wanting to explore it, I want this to continue. And I feel it very, very naive to say that we have 
no other option but to stop trying to find a solution mm -hmm. because the only solution is to do the things that I just said. I agree that our current definitions of GDP, gross domestic product, and our economic models are primitive, myopic, and oftentimes counterproductive. We can and we should reform them. I am advising um, a, a, an accounting reform um, think tank that aims to incorporate a, a new view of sustainability investments so that every company can put them on their balance sheet as an asset rather than having them as a pure cost and an expense, which by magic, literally by magic, by a shared agreement that changes nothing about the underlying laws of nature would enable incredibly powerful incentives towards sustainability to be incorporated in the behavior of practically every company, hmm. to be um, prized and to be appreciated concretely by the stock market that would look at their balance sheet and say, wow, this balance sheet is very strong because this company made a lot of investments in sustainability, which made their balance sheet stronger. And as a consequence, I want their share price to go up because they have a bright future, right? So there are a lot of things that we can reform, but I also believe that we still have a lot of technologies and a lot of things to invent and to deploy and to adopt, which will make our lives better and our children's lives better. It is not a gloomy future. It is a future that we can believe in, we can invest in, we can share as a bright future of opportunity. And I am uh, happy to have further debates and further analyses that may change my mind around whether this kind of conference can have a useful outcome rather than a defeatist outcome for the continent and its participating countries. And I will be delighted to be wrong about it. But I hope that if I am right, even if Europe goes down that path, the other continents do not follow it. Not because I want the environment to be destroyed or nature to be depredated or 
the uh, natural balance of the ecosystem to be upended, but because I believe in the power of technology to bring solutions and whatever problem we have, the answer is not less technology, the answer is more technology, more science, more knowledge. This is a segue to the kind of um, radical question that I want to share with you, although we are about at the mark of the hour, so I thought that one hour is enough for me to work on as a, as a transcript. Um, I have some suggestions and some proposals for you. One is to, as you were saying, go into some examples, some technologies, and maybe having um, a discussion about what it is possible, what is promising, what can be done in alternative to this. Um, this is one of the things that I want to leave as a note and a proposal for the next episode. Connected to that, which is quite big as a topic, I'm sharing my screen right now and I'm showing to you this acronym I, I stumble upon. Uh, this is Google Bart, but this is uh, copied from uh, a fa Facebook post in the Memetics uh, group. And they are mentioning the, uh, the concept of, uh, you know, labeling the people who thinks about those topics with Tescreel, that is for transhumanism, extropianism, singularitarianism, cosmism, rationalism, effect effective altruism, long-term thinking. Since I recognize some many or all of those topics as being deeply intertwined with the things we've been discussing for years. Um, I think this is a good starting point for other discussions uh, because there are radical ideas about it. It's either, you know, it's a vision that we must embrace and let me show you why this is true and it's going to happen. And people who says it's an science fiction or it's just a way for rich people to keep their you know uh, power uh, over poor people now since i as you know i'm i'm curious but i'm not really expert on any of them i feel you might be the perfect person to have a critical and rational and relaxed conversation about it how does it sound it looks like uh, we are uh, setting up a couple of more conversations, at least, uh, to start. Uh, one of them, uh, examples of how technology could help addressing the challenges that uh, we are facing as a society and humanity overall, uh, specific and actionable and potentially something that can look at how those solutions improve over time. Um, and I'm happy to do that. And the second one is uh, more methodological uh, and epistemological and look at whether these uh, proactive uh, principles of thinking about the future are uh, something that a larger number of people could and should embrace or they uh, should be rejected uh, for uh, some some kind of fault uh, of their own. And I am going to be very happy to 
jump on and discuss those with you at any time that we are both available. Thank you. You can count on that. Um, I have the desire, the dream of creating continuity between the, the guests and the participants of those of these sessions. And uh, I'm not really finding strong connections, but it's, it's one is coming from my friend Marco Genovesi, who is an artist and a, a visual effects uh, director in London. He came up with the concept of being surprised when you are in the creative process. You come up with something that uh, leaves you surprised because it's so engaging or you say you think it's so amazing that you feel like you should include that thought, that concept into your work. What is your relationship between the creative process and being surprised? The myth of creativity as a spark of genius, in my opinion, is uh, detrimental, is, is negative. It should be um, taken very cautiously and potentially rejected. Yes, there are absolute outliers, people of incredible talent, and they don't need to be told what does it mean to be creative and how they should create even if you beat them, they cannot stop creating and, and uh, they are uh, really uh, on another level. However, the idea that creativity is a spark of genius tells everyone else that unless they have that spark and they feel that unstoppable need to create, they cannot be creative. And that is profoundly wrong. Exactly uh, the uh, uh, situation and, and the term you um, cited before, neoteny, that I myself uh, learned and adopted from my friend, the Japanese uh, entrepreneur and investor Joichi Ito. Neoteny, which is maintaining childlike features in adulthood, includes this beautiful ability to experiment and create um, that a lot of people persuade themselves they should not keep doing as they grow up, but they should and they could. So yes, meeting something that is new, being surprised by something that is new is the starting point of an exploration that in the child includes the experimentation with the thing that is new, you know, putting it in your mouth and chewing it or, or putting one thing on top of the other and see if they fall down or, or they stay up, uh, bumping into things, breaking things, taking things apart. And, and yes, it is something that we should keep doing and, and when we should find joy in keep trying and then yeah uh, one in a thousand will succeed and and, and that is fine uh, and uh, it doesn't mean that uh, you should be afraid of sharing the 999 that 
don't or didn't succeed. Also, because not always you can beforehand know which one will succeed. And whether these are startups, whether these are paintings, whether these are compositions and songs, those that are designed in order to succeed are likely to be mediocre. Those that meet the marketplace of ideas and find success, surprising even the creator, are much more likely to be a genuine contribution that is not a copycat, but something novel, something that wasn't heard before, something that uh, can add value to the global conversation. That's nice. I agree fully with your view. And by the way, just to defend people who are, who are not present, Marco shares the same vision. He was talking about the process of uh, iterative thinking and creating and trying. At a certain point, you discover this thing that surprises you. So it's absolutely not tied to being genius or being unique. So that view, I fully agree. Thank you for that. Um, David, one last question, because I want to wrap up this wonderful conversation I'm having with you. Uh, uh, just another personal question, if you, if you don't mind. I always thought you are a busy person, one of the busiest person that I know. Still, you are so accessible. You're always available for a conversation, for a call. And um, I want to ask you, how, how do you do that? What is the, the, the benefit, the pros and cons of doing it? And how, what's the difference between you being so accessible while others, it seem, seems like they are not reachable at all? Um, I'm just curious, what do you have to share about this? So I uh, cannot comment on, on, on others or how they organize their lives. Um, I am in favor of two things. One, radical delegation. Trust and verify with your co-workers, with the people reporting to you. Uh, very uh, clear tasks. Not clear that they are formulated in detail, but simple things like what is the objective and by when do we believe we may be able to uh, reach it and then checking hey is there anything wrong can i help with anything and and this can be applied also if you are reporting to someone in order to manage their expectations to be clear in communicating to them that you are on track or you are behind. So organizationally, this is, I think, important. Trusting the person that you are working with in a team, because if you can't, then either the team is wrong or you are in the wrong team, but it won't last, right? So. Trust is, is, is a first important point. Also, the sooner you are betrayed, the lower the damage. So 
trusting someone who is not trustworthy is also a better uh, attitude than not uh, navigating until uh, bigger damage is, is, is created. Mm. Uh, and then the, 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 the second, um, not recommendation, but the second thing I do both in professional and uh, a personal life is only do what you want. Never do what you don't want. <laughs> now, important, that doesn't mean that you only do what you like. It is the opposite. It is to like what you do. Before we made the example of running. Again, I don't run, so I don't know, but I am sure that if examined objectively, the sweating, the suffering, the uh, aching of the muscles, the, you know, substantial damage mm -hmm. that you do to your body that it needs maybe a day or a week or a month to recover from is a list of negatives. So objectively examined, you shouldn't be running, but you do it. You do it even if this is true and you want to do it and you end up wanting it and you end up liking it, right? So when uh, I, I, I don't know, there is some accounting thing that I need to review or, or I need to process uh, expense uh, reports and approve the payments or whatever it is, it, it is not something that I um, would spontaneously choose, but I want to do that. When my wife tells me, why are you emptying the dishwasher? Or why are you cleaning the kitchen? The answer is, I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also meditation. That's, it's relaxing. That's what I want to do. And at the same time, if, you know, in, 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 in one of my projects, uh, someone tells me, how come you didn't do something? I will honestly say, I didn't want to do it. That's why I didn't do it. Otherwise, I would have done it. Right? Um, so, making oneself, oneself available or potentially also unavailable and you suffer from selection bias. You see me available, other people maybe will tell me that I am unavailable. Might be, might be, yes. Maybe, maybe. Um, I, for example, don't have any problem telling people who want to sell me project management professional certification on LinkedIn or want to sell me lead generation services or search engine optimization or, you know, uh, 
dozens of other services by hundreds of providers, every day I receive, I would say, a dozen offers from service providers and a dozen or more from startups for investment opportunities, right? And, and I have no problem telling them no or from time to time actually jumping on a call and hear them out, all right? And it is always something that I choose to do because I want to do it and, and I do it with uh, openness and curiosity and uh, asking questions, playing devil's advocate, um, thinking about the questions I am asking, asking them, which, you know, is one of my favorite questions is, or maybe the favorite question. I ask the people who pitch me for investment, as well as I ask a candidate who I am interviewing for a job that they could receive an offer for, as well as in many, many other situations, I ask them towards the end of the conversation, is there any question that you expected me to ask and I didn't? What is the question that I should be asking? And 90% of the time, they are very surprised by that. And then they volunteer something, hopefully. Uh, they say, oh, you should have asked X, Y, or Z. And those are very, very good moments in, in that kind of conversation. This is always inspiring. And I see branching uh, a dozen topics that I will carefully review. So, David, we are, I want to wrap it up and I want to thank you for this wonderful time together. And I have one last question for you. Is there any question that I should be asking to you that I didn't ask? Your previous question was the last one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I, am, I am happy for the ones that we listed. And uh, I will... Uh, be making myself available for future recordings uh, and uh, what I will also do is to race with you to apply your workflow on your side and my workflow on my side to extract the topics and the yes. knowledge from this recording Yes. Uh, maybe the audience that is following the video is not seeing it, but I have my AI assistant transcribing the recording as we speak. And then I will do other two, three steps and then provide you within a given amount of time the map of topics and, uh, you know, whatever you will see. That's exciting. How can I improve uh, future episodes? How do you think? What's an experiment I should do to learn something out of this experience? Uh, how many episodes have you published until now? One, there are two in the pipeline. This is the fourth. Okay. 
So, first of all, um, maybe it is not yet time to alter the course. You are still opening the path. Um, and, and only after 10 or 20 episodes, you will have accumulated enough uh, understanding of your own process, as well as the feedback that you start receiving to know what you should be doing different. And there are so many things, um, but it also depends what is your objective. So I was explicit about the fact that my objective is not to maximize the number of subscribers, is not to earn from advertising and sponsorships. Um, so I want to really learn how to learn better. This is my objective. There you I go. I want to learn. There you, there you go. Well, that's fantastic. So. Um, Making the process of uh, topic extraction more explicit probably is uh, uh, useful. Document it. Record an episode where maybe you don't have a guest. And just, but just talk about your current methodology. Then extracting the topics from that episode will give a more um, formal documentation of your mm -hmm. workflow and learning process and then examine it right mm -hmm. in order to be able to measure it and improve it yes what is your measure of a of a baseline learning and what is the direction where you want it to in, improve do you want it to be faster or do you want it to be more academically sound do you want it to be easier to apply to a mm -hmm. consulting uh, uh, practice, yes. you know, there can be different ways. Another that I can offer um, in order to go in the direction of uh, your objective, which is improve your, uh, to, to learn how to learn, uh, is uh, to um, invite guests that are aligned with that objective. And um, I would encourage you to reach out to potentially anyone in that list. Yes. When you see someone that just published a book yes. about the topic, they may be happy to join your recording session because they want to um, promote their book. So their interest and your interest to learn from them and learn how to learn better are well aligned. The only thing that you have to tell them is that the episode may have a little bit of delay. Yes. Now, if the delay of a week, that's fine. If the delay is two months, then their purpose of promoting the of book uh, when it is published is, is um, nice not, yes. not achieved, right? So, so you have to... Uh, be able to to publish the episodes uh, um, relatively rapidly, not immediately, but relatively rapidly. Good point. Uh, how do you feel today? Yeah, now I am I'm feeling fine, and uh, actually I'm I'm um, very happy about our conversation. I had fun, and but but I am also curious and eager for the next ones. Right, so. Uh, uh, if you don't, I will reach out and say, hey, 
let's let's do the that's cool it's on the record so i cannot deny it david i really appreciate your friendship and your time it's really valuable to me and i enjoyed a lot this session and i will have a lot to work on it uh, so without adding any further question i have many of them i want to thank you i want to say bye-bye and talk to you soon Thank you, and I'm looking forward to uh, the next conversation and the ones after that. Okay, thanks everybody. This was uh, Crazy Podcast. I'm Massimo Crotella. We had today David Orban, and talk to you next time. Bye-bye.